Just a few weeks ago, the Florida Panthers were facing elimination, down three to one in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs to the Boston Bruins, who, by the way, had the best regular season record ever in NHL history. But now, they're in the Eastern Conference Final, up two games to none, against the Carolina Hurricanes. And they have a pretty decent shot at winning the whole thing. And it reminds me of a story that was told on this podcast a year ago, when Emily Kaplan told Pablo Torre about the Panthers' resurgence and the revival of one of the most hair-raising traditions in all of sports. So, with the Panthers hosting Game 3 tonight in Sunrise, Florida, we decided to bring that story back for you to enjoy once again. I'm Israel Gutierrez. It's Monday, May 22nd. This is ESPN Daily. Emily Kaplan, do you have a hockey nickname? What do they call you? Uh, so, Pablo, if we were going to go with the formula, I guess I'd be Capper. I've heard that at the rank before. Mm. Capsy, that that could be it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, ZY is a very classic uh, you know, <laughs> surname uh, here in hockey. Yeah, all right, Capsy. So, uh, I'm here to talk to you about a reporting trip that you recently made to a guy that I had no idea about, this guy named Scott Mellenby. He's a former NHL player, the former star of a team that is super relevant now, the Florida Panthers, but he was relevant in like 96. So why were you there? What did you find? Thank you for telling yourself that you were not paying attention to hockey in 1996. Alas. Yeah, you know. wasn't really paying attention. Yeah. Torzy, Torzy, come on, let's get right. Torzy, yeah, yeah, touche. So Scott is somebody who has played in the league for 21 years. Um, he went on to become a hockey executive after that. 95-96, Florida Panthers, Stanley Cup Finals. Those were really important years to me in my career and personally. He's had an incredible career with a ton of accolades, but he's not somebody who keeps a lot of memorabilia. So we show up at his house in Hudson, Wisconsin. It's a suburb of uh, the Twin Cities in Minnesota. And he pretty much has like two pieces of memorabilia in his entire home. One is this big, heavy silver stick that he was awarded for playing in 1,000 NHL games. And the other thing he has is this painting that the NHLPA gave to him. It's like this mural. Um, and that's it. But then he says, I have something else. And it's hidden deep into his closet. So we go up to his attic in his office. He gets into this closet. I don't keep a lot of memorabilia, to be honest, but this is kind of a neat piece. You got to be remembered for something, and I guess this is my place in history, you know? It's hanging on this top shelf. It's just like kind of it's just sitting there, and it's this box, and one side of it is glass, so you can see the items inside. And inside this glass box, Pablo, you're going to get so excited for this, is a plastic rat. <laughs> I believe it's a rubber rat. This is the rat that sat in the Miami Arena dressing room for about three years. It's standing on its hind legs and it's baring its teeth. And next to that rat is a square piece of drywall that's maybe about three inches wide. It's clearly been cut out from a wall. You got the drywall here that uh, Scott Tinkler, our trainer, uh, circled with a Sharpie. Some, some... And written on it in Sharpie says, R.I.P. Rat 1 and the date, October 8th, 1995. <laughs> and Pablo, if you look closely at this piece of drywall, in very faint red, there's literal blood stains, these pink Ugh. blood stains. Some really faded 
blood stains now, but that is blood. That's rat blood. Hold on. So there's a hunk of drywall and it's covered in actual rat blood. Yeah. These are the hazards of the job, Pablo. I'm an investigative journalist and I come and see it all. (laughs) But, you know, this is important because this is a piece of history for the Florida Panthers franchise. This rat blood means something. And if you know anything about hockey people, they're very superstitious. And to a lot of people, this rat blood from 1995-1996 season represents the last year of relevancy and maybe a curse of why the Florida Panthers have not been able to win since. You know, we don't talk about rats enough. We really don't. We don't talk about how they are wherever we are, right? Which is why they exist on every continent but Antarctica. We don't talk about how there's a network of thousands upon thousands of rats underneath New York City as we speak that have never even seen humans. And, and we don't talk, by the way, about how rats laugh. They actually laugh. That is a biological fact, and they probably laugh at us. So today, we talk about the greatest rat story in all of sports history. And we ratify a tradition that has been dying to be let out of its cage. The NFL schedule drops this week, kiddos, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. All right, Cabsy. So Scott Mellenby, I understand he is our protagonist on this journey, but introduce us to him. Tell me more about what kind of a player he was. So Scott Mellenby is a guy, he played 21 years in this league, 1,400 plus games, 800 plus points, no schlub, but he did bounce around a bit. Um, You know, and this was an era with really high offensive production and Scott was never necessarily the star point producer. He was a guy known more for his grit for his character, for his heart. How would you describe your playing style? Uh, aggressive, <laughs> uh, combative. And we have a tussle at center ice, Waller and Mellenby. The greatest quality I had as a player was competitiveness. Then we got a fight, Mellenby and Ramage. Ramage took umbrage to the bump he took from Mellenby after unloading the puck. In fact, he was double I've heard people say that I played angry, so, yeah. But I'd say, you know, aggressive and go to the net, and that's where I scored my goals, so um, definitely aggressive. Scott Mellon heads towards the goal. Niedermeyer and Scott, he scores! Well, Mellon has just been a real dominant force, but his work ethic, his discipline defensively has really suited Roger Nielsen. How does he end up with the Florida Panthers himself, Emily, going back in time here? So the Florida Panthers were an expansion franchise in 1993. Uh, Scott had just finished his seventh season in the league. Uh, he was with the Oilers at the time. Didn't have his best year, 32 points in 69 games. He kind of had a feeling he was going to be exposed, and he was. 
Yeah, and for people who don't know, an expansion draft is when a new team enters the league and every existing team kind of has to give up, you know, one of their players for potential adoption. Exactly, Pablo. But what you need to know is now the expansion rules are much more favorable and teams like the Seattle Kraken and Vegas Golden Knights can actually select good players. Back then, it was much more limited. And if you're getting selected by an expansion team, it, it reflects pretty poorly on you. From Edmonton, Scott Mellonby. Panthers select Scott Mellonby from Edmonton. The next selection goes to the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. I was a little taken back and shocked. It was scary. I thought I might, you know, I'm this close now out of the league because those teams really struggled. I felt like this could be it, you know, so um, obviously. And Scott essentially says that being selected by an expansion team was like a death sentence. So that's the dynamic here where he is sort of the unwanted player. How is his arrival in South Florida, how does that feel? Well, he and his wife, they were newlyweds and Let's face it, they're going from Edmonton, Alberta to South Florida. I think lifestyle-wise, they were excited about the new opportunity, maybe spending some time at the pool. It was an inauspicious start, though, Pablo, because they moved to a town called Boca Raton, which <laughs> literally means rat's mouth. Yes. Boca Raton means rat's mouth. Now, I've also heard it means mouse mouth, but I'm going to go with rat's mouth because it just it's better, you know. And as he's getting settled into this new home... Uh, soon enough, that new home started living up to its name. The place I talked about that we lived in, we ended up with, with rats in the attic. We heard them in the attic, and then the guy the guy came, and they were actually what they called tree rats, that have the, their tails are the same length as their body. Exactly disgusting, right? As God is telling me this, Pablo, I'm an expressive person. I can't help myself. I'm making a disgusted face. Yeah, Emily, look, I'm, I'm a New Yorker. I, I know rats. I've seen rats. I'm terrified by rats. This is a nightmare. The guy came and said, yeah, you've got some tree rats. They set a trap. So we're, we're in bed one night sleeping, and all of a sudden we hear this wham, 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 this flopping going on, right? This massive, loud flopping, because one of the rats had ended up in a trap. And the next day, the guy came, and he had this bag, this, like, white, almost like a pillowcase type bag, and he took out, and it was like, I mean, there was a couple of large beasts in there, and that was it. It built in that hatred for rats right away. I think one of my most important questions I asked Scott Mellonby in this entire interview was, are there any redeeming qualities to rats? And it took him a really long time to reply. <laughs> what are some positive characteristics of a rat? When they're dead? <laughs> God, that's good. I personally would have gone with how rats eat their own feces for nutritional value, probably. Or, or maybe, maybe that they have strong teeth that can like chew through cinder blocks and aluminum and lead. Pablo, those are two redeeming qualities. But what about the fact that they can carry pizza down in New York City subway? That's a redeeming quality as well. Yeah, Pizza Rat, pizza rat really does um, increase the respectability of a population that does not deserve any of it, I would say. But okay, Emily, before we fall into that, uh, I was going to say rabbit hole, clearly it's a rat hole. I do want to get back to the melon bees and to Scott moving homes because the Florida Panthers at the same time are also trying to welcome people into their new place, right? I mean, how is South Florida feeling about the Panthers? How much optimism is there? How much energy is there around this new franchise? So there's hope and optimism, Pablo, but first the people in South Florida need to know there's a hockey team. And there was a really big, you know, 
push just to publicize the fact that the NHL had come to South Florida. Scott talks about him and his teammates being trotted around on like these little tours. They'd show up at malls. I just remember going to these malls. We, the one day it was like mall day. So we were going to like four different malls around South Florida. And it's like, you know, we go in, they had this sign up, you know, Florida Panthers. And we'd sit there and people could ask questions. And there was like six people. You know, then we go to another mall. There was, there was seven or eight or nine or 10 people. And they look on some of their faces like, you know, like, who the heck are these guys? You know, it's really a grassroots campaign to build excitement here. That said, within the team, there was some belief that they could have something special because they had Bill Torrey, Bob Clark, and Roger Nielsen running this team. Those are, in Scott's words, significant people who had been around the game for a long time. Bob Clark kind of set the tone to start, uh, we got down to our team and, and Clarky was there and he, he looked around the room and, and Clarky's a man of few words, but he said, uh, we're not gonna be a doormat for any team in this league. And he walked out and that was the start of, of our team. And so the tone and attitude around the team was like, we're not gonna be a typical expansion team. We might actually have a chance to be legitimate here and build something. Hockey in Miami, you bet. It's the home debut of the expansion Florida Panthers. Opening night is always extra special. Kind of exciting because in their first two years, they're not bad. Niedermeyer comes in front, deals to Bellamy, scores! four? The Panthers lead by two. They narrowly missed the playoff both times, but they're much more competitive than anyone expected from them or gave them credit for. Then entering the third season, something kind of crazy happened and they fire Roger Nielsen, the coach. And the team is really surprised by that. And they bring in Doug McLean and Doug brought in something unique. It was a different swagger and it was a different confidence. With Doug McLean at the helm, there's a lot of excitement and maybe intrigue entering year three. So what happened that season, Emily? How did that go? Okay, well, Pablo, we need to talk about the home opener. It was October 8th, 1995, our first home game of the year. Scott tells me it is not uncommon to see rats running around the arena. I don't know if there was garbage around and stuff that, you know, attracted rats, but we would see them occasionally down because we were down by that Zamboni area and stuff. It's not like they were running all over, but you, you'd see the odd one for sure. Right before the game, you know, he's got his equipment on, he's holding his stick. Scott says he hears a scream down the hallway. I remember I heard this scream down the hall, like, there's a rat, there's a rat. It came flying into our room and there were some different reactions. There was a couple of guys kicked at it and it was kind of like darting around a bit. And there was a couple of guys that jumped up on the seats too. Like it was kind of gross, right? So it was like big tough hockey players jumping up on seats. And I was just standing there. And it ended up stopped in the far side of the room, straight across from me. And it looked right at me. And it beelines like right at me. And he says he stares down the rat, uh, looks it right into his eyes. And look, this is a guy, as I said, is not necessarily known for his offensive flash. I was not known for my one-timer, but this was a Brett Hall one-timer. And I saw it coming and I hammered this thing and I got all of it. And it flew about 
10 feet, 15 feet across into the wall and was dead. The shot of his freaking life <laughs> takes a slap shot to the rat. The rat goes sailing into the drywall, splatters blood everywhere, and he murders it in cold blood. It was probably the best one-timer I ever shot right in the sweet spot. Oh, man. I mean, Emily, this is this is a gory scene you painted for us. How, uh, what, what compelled such a man to behave that way? Well, when a man has his house infested by rats in Boca Raton, when he has his coach fired and he's all fired <laughs> up about wanting to make something of his expansion team and be part of a team that means something, I don't know. It's just natural instinct. Yeah, that's fair, actually. That does add up. What do you think compelled you to take that shot? Fear. <laughs> I think, you know, I, uh, I'm, not, I'm not a rodent person. Rats are disgusting, you know. It just, it was a reaction. And we have rejoined you here at the Miami Arena as the Panthers begin their home schedule here against the Calgary Flames. John Van Peesbrook after an outstanding... Now we had to go out right away because it was opening night and they were going to announce us, right? So now we're lining up. And I just remember vividly looking at my stick blade, I had black tape and I had these little fur, these little hair furs on, on, the, on the tape. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. Okay, so Scott Mellenby, who is no Brett Hall, does pull off this Brett Hall one-timer, as he's called it, pregame. And then the actual game, it's important to remember, does start after that. How does he do in that one? So Pablo, he has an awesome game. He scores two goals. Barnes, Svensson with a shot to fucking score! Panthers with a power play goal! The shot and the deflection. You'll see Mellenby poking away at the puck, and he's rewarded for his hard effort. The Panthers win, and as you know with sports teams, like they like to keep things in-house, and we probably never would have found out about this murder that unfolded before the game, except for goalies. Goalies have big mouths. Rats also have big mouths, but so do goalies. <laughs> and afterwards, John Van Beesbrook, who was the Panthers goalies, talking to the media. He said, uh, the, yeah, Mellenby got a rat trick tonight. And they were kind of like, and they said, yeah, he killed a rat in the dressing room before the game. And then he got two goals. So he says, I'm going to call that a rat trick. And that's how, that's how it got out to the public. You know, probably, I mean, if Beezer doesn't say that, it probably, it, it's never, it never gets out. It's never a story, you know. I mean, it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant bit of marketing, Emily, intended or not, right? Two goals, one dead rat, and presumably, like, this takes off from there. Yeah, it's organic marketing, which is the best part about it. Like, no marketing executive <laughs> could have come up with something. Real, this, real farm to table, yeah. Ex oh, you, you do it. They're real alley to, uh, to <laughs> consumer. Uh, but really, I mean, the fans loved it. Far deals to Murphy. Murphy with a shot to fucking score! In front deflected! And it was Scott Melody redirected! Shot from the point, his third goal of the year, and the Florida Panthers with a power play goal lead 3 nothing. The building was starting to get exciting, and, and the crowds were great. They were getting engaged. They were starting to fill the seats. But now they have an inside joke. They've got a rallying cry. They've got something that this fan base can hold on to and also throw on to, because this now became a tradition after games or after goals where fans would throw rats onto the ice. Back to the point, one time by Kartner. The save and the goal. Scott Mellamy, he's been the man. Three points tonight. The Rats are back again. And Jeff Reese is saying, oh, Rats right now. A week or two later, I scored a goal, and all of a sudden this rat came on the ice. And early on, it was kind of like that. When I scored, there'd be a rat. And then it, it seemed as the season went along, it, it progressed. This is why we're going to have a 
delay. Here's the rat's nest, the bats, the barn, those plastic rats. They sell for anywhere from $3.50 to $10, depending upon where they buy them. As the season goes along, this becomes a tradition. I have never seen anything like this. Look at the rats just pounding there as Tom Brasso tries to get a little bit of protection going back in his net, and they're coming in of all sizes. After the Florida Panthers score a goal, fans pull rats out of I don't know where. Yeah. They brought them into the arena, and they tossed them onto the ice, which, let's face it, is, is quite the spectacle. They estimate roughly three to 500 rats per goal get dumped on this ice after a goal. But one of the things that... It's so many more rats than I thought it would be. I know. It's, 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 a, it's a straight up infestation. I know what they call this the rash nest. My Ray Shepard has always been a great goal scorer. Wow, what a start. Shepard just pulls up an innocent enough looking play here. And just to clarify here, Emily, because I do want to be um, vaguely mindful of uh, the rat lobby, these are not real rats at this point being thrown onto the ice. They're mostly synthetic. They're mostly toy rats. But uh, Scott Wait. did say he, he may or may not have seen a uh, a carcass out there, too. <laughs> and look, this is not exclusive just to Florida. We have other animal traditions in the NHL. Yes. The Detroit Red Rings are famous for throwing an octopus on the ice. In Nashville, I literally went with a guy whose name is Catfish Jake. As we went to the catfish store, he <laughs> stuffed a catfish into the back of his pants, smuggled it in, and threw it onto the ice. But this, to me, for some reason, it's just way ickier than all of that. Yeah, and look, and obviously, right? Like, originally, you'd throw hats when you had a hat trick. So this is in that tradition, although this is also a tradition that feels like an actual living nightmare for a lot of people on this planet. It is, and I just wanted to say... I feel like it's really fitting to the identity of hockey fans because, let's face it, we're kind of savages. Yeah, that is true. Scott Mellonby spiked a rat with his hockey stick on opening night, and it has become a thing to do is to throw things like this. I dug this out of the bag that security kept from the last game. There must have been 50 to 100 different kinds of mice and rats here. This one has Magnus Benson's... Pablo, by the end of the season, everyone knows what's coming, and the arena staff there is prepared because within seconds of these rats cascading onto the ice, you see a brigade of guys with squeegees oh, and, and buckets, and, buckets no, I... and they're ready to pick it all up and, and be efficient here. Yeah, I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I mean, more than a dozen people are immediately just out there as the rats are still sliding across the ice, just, yeah, throwing them into all of these containers and plastic bags. We scored, the Zamboni doors were opening and the working people were coming out and cleaning up and uh, going somewhere to be sold back to the fans. <laughs> Imagine coming home being like, honey, how was work today? Oh, it was fine. Just, you know, cleaned up the wraps on the ice, the huge. <laughs> there was a kid outside, he was probably 10, 12. He looked at me and he said, you're, 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 and I'm about to spit out, yeah, I'm Scott Mellonby. And he says, you're the rat guy, right? I'm like, yeah, I'm the rat guy. So he, he didn't know my name, but he knew I was the rat guy. All right, Cabsy, noted savage after the break. <laughs> we talk about how the rat trick rose to even greater heights and then how it disappeared. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive 
eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you people wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first one or for your fashionista mom who likes to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate with them both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to, say, 100 bucks and below. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything or even pre-wrapped gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th, and it'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. So, Emily, we've established now that the rat trick became a deeply unsanitary phenomenon, taking over South Florida, but it also feels like the kind of thing whose takeover really is hitched to the team itself. So how far did all of this go? How did the season play out for Scott Mellenby and his Panthers and his rats? So the Panthers were able to build on the success that they created those first two seasons. Doug McClain's system worked. It was an exciting team. They're trending towards the playoffs. Mellenby turns and shoots. He scores! A rocket by Scott Mellenby. And the Panthers, with a power play goal, have taken a 2-0 lead. Mellenby, meanwhile, has his best season in the NHL. Svensson in front. They score! Nice play. And who else but Mellenby? It's three goals in two games. And that is his ninth power play goal of the season. He leads their club in that. He finishes with 32 goals, 38 assists. He makes his only all-star appearance. Mm. But Pablo, again, hockey people are very superstitious. And there's something that happens right before the playoffs. Just two months before the Chinese calendar changes. (laughs) It officially becomes the year of the rat. This week, the Chinese calendar flipped, and the Chinese went from the year of the pig to the year of the rat. It won't be the year of the cat until 1999, but the Florida Panthers don't have to wait for that. They've adopted the rodent in South Florida, and this could be their year. So the Chinese Zodiac officially proclaims this. The, <laughs> this is, it's, it's very on the nose, the way this story apparently has played out. So the clock strikes rat, Pablo. <laughs> And the man who lived in Boca Raton, the rat's mouth, and had a rat-infested house, who murdered a rat in the locker room before the first home game, has his best season ever. And the Panthers qualify for the playoffs as the fourth seed. They defeat the Boston Bruins in the first round. Come on, this is your right wing. The Rashad scores! 3-0 Florida! And that one... 
They upset the top-seeded Philadelphia Flyers in the second round. Two on one, Bill Lindsay to Garpenlock, shot, scores! Florida is going on to the Eastern Conference Finals where they'll take on the Pittsburgh Penguins. They beat the Pittsburgh Penguins in the Eastern Conference Final. And the Panthers will clear it. They are going to the Stanley Cup Finals as the Panthers have beaten Pittsburgh 3-1. And they now are appearing in the Stanley Cup Final, which, again, let's face it, is pretty unprecedented success early on for an expansion team. We were kind of viewed as underdogs and over our head, and this shouldn't be happening. And when's it going to end? When does, when does the, the, the Cinderella slipper come off? and it just didn't come off. And I also just looked it up. Emily, the Chinese Zodiac, has very different feelings about the rat than we do, and Scott does. Apparently, the rat is intelligent, popular, and loves attending parties and large social gatherings. Still not in, but thanks. (laughs) But okay, hold on, though, because the large social gathering that is the Stanley Cup Finals, that's where we are now in this story, right? Like, they're playing the Colorado Avalanche, and what game comes to mind when you think about it now? So, Pablo, the Colorado Avalanche are an awesome team. They also feel like a team of destiny, even if they don't have the Chinese Zodiac sign on their side. And uh, the first two games are in Colorado, and the Florida Panthers lose pretty badly, a combined score of 11-2. to But game three returns to Florida and the fan base in Florida. Miami Arena, game three of the Stanley Cup Finals between the Colorado Avalanche and the Florida Panthers will be cheered on by 14,000-plus And welcome to what the locals affectionately call the rat nest. Dave, as we've already seen, these Panthers... We're in Miami Arena. The Colorado Avalanche strike first, but then the Panthers take a 2-1 lead. And after both of those goals, fans are going absolutely nuts. The speed has picked up for the rat trap. Patrick Wise has been beaten twice now here in the first period alone. Rats are raining down on the ice after each of the goals. (laughs) There are long delays as this brigade of security and ice crews have to, you know, sweep it all up. Yeah, there's rats. There's rats. I'm telling you, it's serious. They added more staff for this game tonight. 25 people are out there gathering them in. I imagine the Avalanche aren't thrilled, by the way, as rats are hitting them and they have to wait to play hockey again. I think that is a fair assumption. I will say the delays were significant. And even as a, even as a home team, and I'm not complaining about it, like it's, it's, it's cool, but it was a significant break, minutes and minutes and minutes, because there just got to be so many of them. And I'm sure the other teams hated it. I think there's a lot of people in hockey that hated it. You know, they're, they're like, this is stupid. I don't think the NHL is thrilled either. Because, like, look, I'm part of game broadcast now. Like, every second matters in a game broadcast. Sometimes we're asking the NHL, like, can you add one or two seconds after this timeout so we can tell the story, show this element? And, like, it's like pulling teeth. So imagine, like, three, four, five-minute delays just to scoop up rats. <laughs> so this is maybe the high point in the series for the Florida Panthers. The rats were thrown here, and it seemed to just spice up the Panther Hockey Club, and they've been roaring. They feel great. Their fans feel great. Unfortunately, Colorado wins that game 3-2, and the Panthers lose game four, the deciding one at home, 
1-0 in triple overtime. Still held in, UA group shot, Scott! So we don't see any goals the rest of the series, which means that there are no more rats, I presume, the rest of the series. But this is also, you know, it's a, it's a new, now super exciting expansion team, Emily, right? Like, the tradition carries on from there, I would presume. You would presume, but it's not that it's the no-fun league, but you do get complaints from opposing players, opposing teams. The league is concerned about all these delays. And in the offseason, the NHL explicitly bans fans from throwing rats onto the ice during games. They threaten to expel, throw out any fan who does it. They also threaten to penalize the Florida Panthers with a delay of game penalty if any fans do it. So the tradition kind of dies down in that sense. But at the same time, I'm kind of surprised this worked because, as you said, you guys, hockey people, you're all savages, right? Like, and there are 20,000 of you in any given building. I'm, I'm surprised, honestly, that this was so effective, the policing and enforcing these rules. So, Pablo, the fans never really get a chance to sustain this tradition because after they make the Stanley Cup final in 1996, they don't sustain success. They're cycling through coaches, cycling through players. They make the playoffs one, two, three times, but they never win around again. So even when they win games and, and sometimes you see some rats, it, it never becomes a true tradition because the team doesn't have a tradition of winning. And so how does this all land on our guy, Scott Mellenby? Like, I, I imagine there's a curse kind of a feeling here. Like, again, owing to the hockey superstition or how would you describe it? Well, for Scott, he's not someone who looks at the superstitions of it. We actually had to look up what his Chinese zodiac was. He was unclear. I believe he was a horse or a strong <laughs> animal. Um, but for him, it's more so I'm disappointed that the success that we created in that first year was lost. And even though this was, you know, a cool and fun tradition, I don't see it as a curse. I'm just mad that the team wasn't able to build off of what we built off of. If you look back in the last 20 years or whatever, is there an organization that you would point to and say has been any less successful than the Panthers? I thought many times over the years they were gonna move and I didn't, I didn't want that because then your history kind of goes away. But even if Scott Mellenby does not think that the Panthers are cursed, Right. We should note here that the Florida Panthers won the president's trophy last season. That's the award for the team with the best regular season record. And then they got swept promptly in the second round of the playoffs by the Tampa Bay Lightning, their cross state rivals. And so how should we feel about this franchise? How does Scott Mellenby at least think about them? So Scott has worked in front offices the last couple of years. He just left the Montreal Canadiens. And this is the first time that he's able to really watch the Stanley Cup playoffs with no rooting interest, just appreciate the games. And he told me he's rooting for the Panthers because he wants them to create their own story. And he wants them to bridge that gap between what he and his teammates built. The story of the rod is, is, is great, but what we did there to me I want it to mean something. I'd like it to be a small part of their history, and it always will be, but uh, it's too big a part of the history right now. You know, they're gonna make some new memories. There's gonna be some better stories written moving forward, and that's okay with me. 
they've got as good a chance as anybody to win. You know, I think one of the reasons he was so hesitant to talk about this rat story, he was so sick of talking about it, is that it was embarrassing. You know, they built this foundation and they wanted what they did to mean something, and then it didn't for nearly three decades. And so he's rooting for the Panthers. He wants them to succeed. He wants this franchise to find success there because maybe what he and his teammates did will find meaning again. We were a proud group of guys that, that for four years were a really good team. And I want that stuff for my kids and my grandkids to, you know, to, 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 to mean something. So what you're saying here, Emily, is that Scott Mellenby wants the Florida Panthers, much like rat teeth, to never stop growing. Yep, he's got that red in his eyes. He sees it. Emily Kaplan, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Pablo. I'm going to go scurry over and eat some pizza. Yeah, got to go stuff my cheeks. The Panthers host the Hurricanes for Game 3 of the Eastern Conference Finals tonight. Their fans and their rats will be waiting. I'm Israel Gutierrez. This has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow.